Welcome to the Outpost Church Podcast. We hope you're challenged and encouraged through this message from our recent Sunday gathering. Enjoy. Thanks, guys. That's, uh, I, I set them a challenge and they rose to it, so, so well done. It's, it's a song that never made the Aria charts. It's not in the, uh, the top ten songs that churches across the world are singing, but uh, it's a song that uh, when I heard it, I thought, man, what, what the, the artist or the, the songwriter Matt Papa and, and others who've contributed to that song put together there is a, a fantastic concept for our lives. And that's what I want to talk about today, uh, living with open hands. Um, hands, we, we've all got them. Everybody's got them. We, we know what it is to, to have them and their uses in our life. But to live a life with open hands, what does that mean? And how does that fit into uh, to our lives? Uh, bring up the next slide. This is just a bit of bit of fun. A few years ago, Tim Hawkins uh, put in one of his books this little special official worship signals for churches. Uh, a bit of humour. Now I noticed looking around the room a bit that uh, that there's different levels when we're talking about worship. Uh, we use our hands in different ways and uh, you know, there are always in churches people who are at different levels here. You can see that at the top, if you can read that, there's the rookie level, intermediate level, pro level and then the expert level as well. And uh, so the rookie level starts off those who, uh, who worship you know, with the, the elbow flap. Uh, that's the, I can't do it with holding a mic, but you can see there's the carry the TV position of worship and then there's the, uh, what's that one say, the... Oh, the go big screen, yeah, that's just a little bit bolder, you know, down there. Intermediate level, uh, you know, you, the fish was this big, this is how we worship, hold my baby, or then uh, you go the whole more faster, yeah, there's the, the, li- <laughs> the Lion King reference. Pro level, there's the dueling light bulbs as we worship with our hands that way, uh, or the goalposts and a bit of heartburn if you, you know, go from there. Um, uh, yep, and... Different levels of that. Oh, you could go expert, go the full village people, uh, YMCA, um, Rocky, touch ground. You get it. I've got to admit, in the church I'm at at Achunga, uh, there is a few people who are at uh, possibly pro level, but many people are, I'm not even sure they make rookie level because they like to worship with their hands in their heart. Um, so... <laughs> But I'm not talking about, about hands uh, in, in that sense. Expressions of worship, that's one thing as we sing, as we offer our hearts to God. Today I want to talk about living with open hands with the whole of our lives and how we can have a posture of every day in everything we do, living open-handed to God. So uh, as we think about our hands, there's, uh, I'm going to bring up four different positions, four different ways that we might consider living open-handedly. Now, if I was to um, hold up a gun to you right now and say, freeze, how would you position yourselves? Yeah, with open hands, yeah? (laughs) You would raise your hands like that, and that's a position of what? Surrender. You can jump ahead. Surrender. Now, I'm not going to do that. Uh, but surrender is a position we hold our hands up because we are, it's, it's like I'm letting go of everything. Like there is no, I'm, I'm not going to push back, I'm not going to resist. Surrender. And, and that's the reason why people will, will do that in worship as an expression 
of that. Living open-handed in a position of surrender. There's a, uh, the book of Joshua is a, is a great book. It's full of lots of adventure and some stuff that's uh, a little uh, uncomfortable to read as God deals with his people. God has given them the people their promised land. Uh, they've been on a long journey and they'd seen God do some mighty things. They'd been brought out of Egypt. They, they were now into the land and they had to now claim it as their own and obey God in the process. But the people in that book, as they get to the end, they still had a choice ahead of them whether to uh, or not to throw away their old gods and to serve the, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, their ancestors. And it, towards the end of the book, Joshua uh, says it straight out, strongly. It puts them straight that they have a choice before them. And uh, it's a choice between god or other gods or idols and at the end uh, it comes up this passage yeah jump to the next one you might know this passage well now fear the lord and serve him with all his faithfulness throw away the gods of your ancestors worshipped beyond the euphrates river and in egypt and serve the lord but if serving the lord seems undesirable to you then choose for yourselves this day whom you'll serve whether the gods of, that your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me, Joshua says, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. The choices before them, you're in the land, you've seen what God's done for you, but you've got a choice. Who will you serve? Now, we're in 2023. Uh, it's possible that not too many of us have the issue of um, choosing between God and some idol that we worship that sits around our tables in the form that they had back then. We don't uh, necessarily worship statues. We don't have that. It's a different culture we live in. Australian Idol was rebooted recently. Few of us would have considered that those who won that to be the God and worship them in a way that an idol... Anyone? No, I didn't, didn't think so. No. So what is it? To, what does that have to do with us? Like how, how do these passages from long ago, a completely different culture, relate to us? We might think, well, you know, I don't, I don't have idols. I don't have other gods. I'm a Christian. I'm here, or I'm at least exploring it. This definition of an idol I found really challenging. This is out of um, PeaceWise, Peacemaker Ministries. Their definition of an idol is this, anything other than God that we trust to make us happy and secure, or secure. Anything other than God that we trust to make us happy or secure could be considered an idol. Now we can start making a list, right? <laughs> We may not have statues, we may not have other gods in a religious sense, but I think we all have aspects of our life that we trust to make us happy or secure. And if we let them, those things can become idols. And as we think about that, and that's pretty challenging, God invites us to have a, and live in a position of open hands. And to be in a position of surrender. 
Just like for those people, the Israelites, as they were there, Joshua gives them a challenge. Choose this day who you'll serve. Paul writes to the, the church in Romans and he encourages them with so much and he tells them what their worship should be and he doesn't mention music, but he mentions this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies and offer them as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. It's to offer our all, our everything, whether we're singing or whether there's music or not, a living sacrifice. There's a bit of surrender involved in sacrifice, isn't there? But to offer our all. Even Jesus, he says to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Huge. It's a life of surrender that we're called to, to live with open hands, with everything that we have. We're called to live with open hands, to surrender our all, our idols, our everything to him. Sounds hard, doesn't it? People want to sign up for that. It sounds like it's a really tough, sacrificial life to live our lives with everything. To, why would we want to do that? I think Matt Puffer in that song picked it up because he, he, he says at the end of the chorus, free at last I surrender all I am with open hands. There is something about surrendering everything that actually sets us free. There is freedom in letting go with the things that we hold on to that we think are good for us. Actually, when we let go of, we find freedom in it. Hebrews 12, uh, love this. Since we're surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses, let's throw off, surrender perhaps, everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And who wants to run a race entangled or bogged down or weighed down? If you ever run and had a backpack on or tried to get somewhere late for a bus, yeah, it's hard. But to run a race free of that stuff, it sets us free. It's a position of surrender. So open hands, living in a position of surrender to God, that's what he wants. Our all. It's not easy, but in it is freedom, surrender. So you jump ahead. The next one. Hold your hands out in front of you. As you uh, come to the, the, the line at dinner, maybe you might uh, stand in a position with your hands open because that's not a position of surrender, but a position of receiving. And again, in worship, there are times where you'll see people do that because we're receiving from God what we're hearing is God speaking to us through the songs we are in a position to receive. So as we live open-handed lives, we, we surrender, but we also need to place ourselves in a position of receiving from God. 
Jesus at the end of, uh, in Revelation, he's, he's pictured and he gives this beautiful passage. He says, here I am, I, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice <laughs> and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. And what a beautiful picture of invitation from Jesus. He's for us, he's not against us. He, he, he stands and he waits and he's ready for you to receive to receive all that he has for you, to receive life in its fullness. You know, that's what Jesus came to give, life in its fullness, not a bunch of rules. He didn't come to condemn but to save. I came to give life and life in its fullness. So to be in a position of receiving. In John 6, uh, there's a whole lot of uh, stories. I love John. John unpacks some of these stories and there's some special encounters. But Jesus has been preaching in Capernaum and he's on the north shore of Lake Galilee and he's just fed the, the 5,000. He's walked on water. And this place has been his hometown as an adult. So uh, being a hometown boy, they're looking for some miraculous signs. Jesus, come on, help us believe. They want to see bread fall from heaven like it did when they wandered the desert in Moses' time. And in response to that, Jesus begins this series of statements where he speaks about himself and says, I am. I am the bread of life, he tells them. This is John 6, verse 35. And he says, whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And the people are having a bit of trouble with that claim as we might today. But Jesus goes on in verse, uh, what do I got up there? From 49, he says, Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. He promises this gift. He's speaking about himself. And understandably, the people are a bit confused. So in verse 51, he's got up on the screen there. I, says Jesus, I'm the living bread. That came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give life to the world. Some people uh, look at this passage and um, it's a confusing one. Perhaps he's referring to, to communion like we've just received. Jesus talking about it. He's obviously not speaking about his own flesh physically being eaten. But it's provocative language. Some take it literally. Some say uh, it's about communion. Others about believing or receiving who Jesus is. But one of the things that's lost when we read our Bibles in English is the meaning behind this and some of the language that's lost. The Bible, this part was originally in Greek. And when we read the word eat, it actually has a deeper meaning. At the beginning, verse 51 you've got up there, Jesus says, whoever eats, it's a one-off action. Whoever eats this bread, whoever receives me, will live forever, he's saying. Jesus came to bring us life. When we believe and receive from him, we're, uh, the deal is done. It's a gift of grace. That once-off eating, receiving, is a chance for us to live life in its fullness and life for eternity. The deal is done. But as Jesus goes on, uh, 
it, the, the language changes and we don't pick this up in the English. Further on in the story, in verse 54, Jesus uses a different word for eats. And if we were to translate it better, he says, whoever munches my flesh. <laughs> kind of a more a chewing over. A little bit provocative. Now, I don't know about you, but when I uh, eat, I tend to, you know, we've got four kids. We tend to eat fairly quickly. Like, you go to Macca's, it's gourmet food. So we obviously spend every moment that we're there uh, savouring every bite. <laughs> not, not really. We, we just tend to chow down food. It's just life. It's something we've got to do. We might enjoy it um, between all the other things. The other, uh, well, last year I had a birthday and my parents bought us a, a gift for the, uh, the, what's the restaurant down the other end of town uh, on the corner, just out of town there on the... Oh, yeah, the Salopian. And, oh... Definitely not Macca's. <laughs> it, w- it was good, but the, the portions of food, uh, they came out slowly and they came out and they forced you to sit and savour and chew on each bite. And we did and it was amazing. Not comparing that to Macca's at all, but it absolutely a very different way of eating. And, and this is what Jesus is saying here, which we lose in our English, is you know, we, we can eat, we can receive, we can, yeah, I believe, I'm saved. But whoever savors, whoever munches on my flesh and drinks my blood, yeah, it's deeper meaning here. Let's enjoy and receive. Let's, uh, let's savor what Jesus has for us, not just take it and then move on. And so as we do that, we have this opportunity to do that in a tangible way with communion. But it's more than that. Jesus wants us to receive everything he has for us every day. To enjoy it. To enjoy the gift of life. Life in its fullness. Not just waiting. You know, there will be a day when all will bow before him. That's great. But today, tomorrow, as we head back into family life, work and school, wherever we go. God has gifts for us. Let's be living with open hands to receive them every day. Life in its fullness starts now. So let's receive. And you guys, this is a a lifelong thing of of receiving and relearning. When we open up the Bible in our morning devotions or whenever you do it, we, we find new things. We find stories that we think we know and God brings them to us fresh. And our invitation is just to, to chew on that slowly. Don't treat it like Maccas. Treat it like the Salopian Inn and enjoy everything that God has for you. Be in a position to receive. One of the greatest gifts he gives us is new life, a new identity. We are, are not the same as we receive. We become a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. That's a promise. So let's live in that. To live with open hands to receive. Third uh, hand, hold your hands out again. So you've received. There's no order to this. It's more of a cycle. These are just different positions. But that's a position that's also maybe, if you're not receiving, you might use that position to offer. So as we surrender, as we receive, we live with open hands as we offer, as we give 
back. And we do this not reluctantly, and we do this not out of duty, but we do this because we serve a God who gave himself for us to offer. Jesus says in Mark 10 that the Son of Man came to be served, not to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Just just take a moment to consider that. This is the creator of the universe in the flesh. This is the one they'd waited for. And he says, what what did I come to do? I, I came to serve, not to be served. That's not what a king or a, a ruler or someone important would do. He came to serve. He has come to serve us. It's a gift given for you. And as the story goes on, I love this, this statue on the next one, where Jesus didn't just say it, he lived it. He came and those who would follow him, this group of motley disciples, he in his last moments wash their feet the 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 position of a slave or a servant he was their rabbi he was he was the messiah but yet he came to serve and that's his position towards us so we receive that and then as we we went on we know the story jesus served to the point of death he surrendered it all Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. He calls us friends. He's given his all for us. What an what incredible gift. And so out of response to that, not out of duty, we live with open hands and offer. I don't know if you've read the book of Malachi recently. Anyone? No. Oh, you have. It's good. Probably not something that you pick up uh, a lot. But in that, uh, in that book, there is this, uh, this moment where the people have been offering sacrifices to God. They've been doing all that they, they, think, they, they think they're doing it all right. And God pulls them up on it. And he says to them, hey, you know, you guys, this is not right. They, they've been, been giving, giving to God as was their duty, as they've been told, but they've been holding back their best. And this is what God says. Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I'm not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty. I'll not accept offering from your hands. My name will be great among the nations from where the sun rises to where it's set. In every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to me because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord. Instead of bringing their best, instead of bringing their first fruits to God, the people had been bringing to God their, their faulty sacrifices, the, the animals with defects. When we offer ourselves back to God, God wants our best. And a question that challenges me is, am I giving God my first fruits, the best of what I am, or does God get my leftovers? Massive challenge. Again, not out of duty, not out of reluctance, but in response to his incredible love for us. Do you give God your first fruits or your leftovers as you live 
in a position of offering to him in every aspect of your life. And last one, I'll do this quickly. Last position. An open-handed position is of reaching. We're not receiving or necessarily offering, but to reach. Jesus modeled this in coming down to earth as one of us. He, he gave his all for us. He, uh, he gave it all to the point of death. And he calls us in response to that to not only offer back to him, but to reach. Matthew, uh, Jesus says, Matthew picks this up, this great image of us being the light of the world. You know this one well, I'm sure. A town or a city built on a hill cannot be hidden, so neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they pour it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, he says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and bring glory to your Father in heaven. As we live open-handedly, we are called to have an open hand towards those in need, to, to be light, not just to light our room, not just to light these four walls, but as you go from here after dinner, to go and light your world, to reach, to go to those dark places. Jesus doesn't say, you should be, you can be the light of the world. He says, you are the light of the world. Your reach is Jesus' reach. And yes, God goes before us and behind us. God's already at work in the world, but he somehow chooses to use you and me to live with open hands in a position of reaching. And gee, there are a lot of people who really need that reach, that light, that hope, aren't there? People in your circles, people in your streets, classmates to live with open hands in a position of reach. So living with open hands, it's, it's our call. It's core to, to who we are. Not to turn inwards, to have closed fists, but to be open in all of these aspects. So I want to leave you just with a challenge in each of those areas. And I know there's, there's been a, a few things covered there. Which one of these areas for you is the area that God's prompting you to be working on today with his help with grace is it the position of surrender choose for yourself this day whom you will serve are there some idols in your life that if you're honest you need to be willing to let go of and trust God and only God to make you happy or secure is it in receiving jesus invitation he's standing there he's waiting he's got so much for you and uh, there are times where we don't feel worthy of that the truth is none of us are do you need to let him in a little more to receive the goodness he has for you sometimes we hold back we know that things are good but we resist what do you need to receive from him today in a way that you've been resisting? Is it in offering? Whatever that looks like for you, being open-handed in response to the Son of Man who came to serve and not to be served, to give God your first fruits and not your leftovers? Or is it in your reach? Have you been holding your light 
under a bowl and not in the places where the darkness needs that light the most. Maybe it's all of those things. God sees you. He knows that we all fail and we all fall. He invites us to follow him. None of us get it right, but we're all a work in progress. But may we be a people who live with open hands today and every day. So let's pray. Loving God, we thank you again for all that you are. You have given so much. But as the song picks up, you, you, you call us to live in freedom, open-handed in every way. For those of us who are, have been holding on to things, or have, who have let other things take precedence over you, show us those things and give us the courage to surrender them. For those of us who feel unworthy, who perhaps sit here and listen but don't fully receive, help us to trust, open our hearts and open our hands to receive from you. For those of us who find ourselves giving you our leftovers and not our first fruits, we confess that. Help us to put you first in everything. Thank you for your grace in that, your mercy that allows us to get back up again. And for those who found ourselves perhaps a little too comfortable, show us those places where you would like to reach through us. to live unselfishly, to love the least of these. Jesus, we're learning how to live with open hands. So we lift our hands open wide. Let the whole world see how you loved, lived and died, how you set us free. Free at last we surrender, all we are, with open hands, with open hands. Amen.